it's Dano, and this is the Read Aloud Dinner Podcast. Remember, this is the weekly podcast dedicated to helping family units grow in love together by teaching them how to read aloud as a family. And you know what? It is hard to learn how to read aloud as a family, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Hey, if you would do something helpful for me, could you rate the podcast and drop a review and drop an honest review? Because then that helps me know, hey, what are you looking for? How can I best serve you with this podcast? What kind of research can I do? Because remember, I'm a college instructor. What kind of research can I do to help you with reading or help inspire you to read a lot as a family? So today what we're going to be talking about is the fourth item in the Bergstrom reading framework. Now, remember this framework is a plan that helps to you, well, well, helps inspire reading in kids and families. And so the fourth item for the read aloud dinner practitioner is to model reading comprehension. But hey, let's review the Bergstrom framework right now. The first thing that we're going to want to do is schedule a time to read aloud. We read at dinner. Now, dinner could be breakfast. (laughs) Anytime there's food, it could be breakfast, it could be lunch, it could be supper, or it could be a little snack in the evening. So dinner is just kind of like when you eat, but it's like books, read aloud dinner just sounds cool, right? And I learned through reading that that's something that men like monks would do. So they would read, someone would read to them as they ate. It's pretty, so this, this, this is not a new thing at all in, in reading and comprehension. And, and you think like, oh, you know, my kid needs to learn how to read and I'm just going to read to them. Believe me, it really works when you read to them. And it's not just about them learning how to read. And we're going to be talking about that too. Like, like what's the, why, what's the why, why are we doing this? So read aloud at dinner, set a timer for at least 20 minutes. So give it a try. Maybe 20 minutes is too long. Maybe you want to start at five or 10, but try to hit that 20 minutes of reading aloud as a family. It takes time to build up that endurance and that focus from your children. And just because it's it's hard at the beginning doesn't mean that that's not, uh, that, that it's bad. In fact, in fact, if they're having, if your children are having struggle or struggling focusing for that amount of time, then you know that this is actually a really important thing for them to do. So the struggle is, hey, guess what? We actually really need this read aloud dinner. We need to spend time as a family and we need to help our children focus because if they have trouble focusing at the dinner table, or focusing on a book, how do you think they're doing in, a, in the classroom? So teaching your children how sustained, quiet reading or sustained listening, you actually help, this is why it helps your child be great in the classroom. And this is the biggest thing that I see as a college instructor, what's really lacking in my students. Number three, develop, read developmentally appropriate books both to inspire a love of reading, but to also teach literacy. Number four, we want to read, we want to model reading comprehension. So we're going to look up, 
and or define new words as a family. We're going to ask questions about the text, ask others to tell personal stories about what we just read, or be open to those interjections that happen. This is reading comprehension. This is how children, or, or we understand the text. The text is a, it's a conversation. So you read something and then there's this back and forth with, with you're talking to the text. And when we really wanted to spend time together as a family, I really said, hey, let's read. And when you're like, well, we don't know what to talk about. We don't know what to do as a family. Read a book and that sparks conversations and stories about your day instead of how was your day at school? And then fine. It was good. Oh, okay. And then you have this like awkward, like trying to get information out of your kids versus reading a story like, oh, and they tell a story in response. That's what we want. Number five, we're going to use the local library. The local library is a treasure trove. It is a hospital. It is a everything for our, for, for us as a family, for you as a reader. To neglect the library is to literally just neglect a, a hospital, to neglect a, a treasure. You you wouldn't just walk by and like, oh, you know, there's a you know, there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars sitting there. And you think I'm joking. I'm not, because reading teaches you get or gives you insight to help grow, to help you grow, or like how I know about investing and how I know about my retirement. It was through reading and how to grow my investments. I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to be pretty well off just because of what I've read and, and um, taking, taking the most conservative approach possible. The library, the library is that treasure trove that you can go to. Next is to teach phonics. Now I had this earlier in the burst from reading framework, but as you know, as I've been developing and working this through a little bit more, I moved it to the bottom some people like overstress phonics. I think, and I, I'd say that I'd have a tendency to do that as well, but it's very important. But I do understand that I think I overstress phonics because I'm, I think I'm, you know, dyslexic and my a couple of my children are dyslexic. So teaching phonics is that path that opens up reading for them. But, um, but if you have just a, a child that doesn't really struggle with with phonics or, or um and it'll, it'll become pretty easy to you to identify i feel i feel but if they're like they're, like they're a smart kid and they're they're in your and you're doing these natural things and reading's not coming naturally then you might want to look at the phonics as an answer so i want to put phonics at the bottom because i think it's like the last the last thing that you have to do um though i have a Though I really believe in phonics and want to, and you'll hear me stressing phonics. So teach phonics, not necessarily at the dinner table, um, especially if you have like a big family. But if there's like one or two kids, you know, you might want to stay after and or before dinner. Maybe one of the one parent teach phonics, and uh, could greatly help your child. So that's what we're doing today. So we're going to take a little bit of a break, and then we're going to move into that fourth item, though which is model reading comprehension. Modeling reading comprehension. Why is this important, especially for the read aloud dinner framework? 
I think there's a big stress on reading really fun books to kids, and that's fine. That that's a great thing to talk about. It's a great thing to get together with your friends and say what what's the most important, great, fun book that you can read. As I've said before in other podcasts, is you know start with picture books. I, picture books are the greatest book ever. Picture books are the greatest book ever. Okay, as am I biased? Of course, you know I'm a picture book writer, but it's because I'm a picture book writer and. I have a lot of knowledge there. For example, I have my Masters of Fine Arts in writing for children and young adult. I know the craft that goes into picture books. I've heard Kate DiCamillo, the 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 mo- one of the most decorated children's book writers of our time, with two Newberries, just a goddess of children's literature, say that she'd much rather write a novel than a picture book. Because picture books have to be perfect, and they're, they're they're just so hard to write. Like a good one is so hard to write. Now, like there's some that just kind of like accidentally happen, but um, you know, good for them. But there's novels that accidentally happen too. But picture books really have smart words. They're they're clever. They're the um, the language in a picture book isn't necessarily as easy as you think. Some picture books are easy. Like I think if you think of Brown Bear, Brown Bear, right? Like, oh, like, oh, all those words are easy. But like, honestly, go to a library and pick up a picture book or three and you'll find that there's pretty dense vocabulary. So read picture books. They're engaging. There's lots of pictures. And I think you'll find that reading aloud at dinner will be not only fun, but exciting. So like you could have three picture books that you could go through. And remember a bad picture book or a long picture book um, is good because then your family's like, oh, that was terrible. And then you have something to laugh about as a family, like, oh, that's bad. And then you talk about why that picture book was bad. See how I'm getting into reading comprehension right here. Reading comprehension is discussing the book, discussing what happened, discussing the words. I'm currently helping um, a young man learn how to read, oh, this family learn how to read, and it's it's working. The reason why it's working is because there is a, a Master's of Fine Arts in Writing for children and young adults um, helping this family, and I, which is me, <laughs> like, oh, you prideful person. No, no, no. I, I say this because, like, I really believe in what I'm, I'm telling you. This, this isn't a, a, oh, a theory. This works. So you have someone with it, with a, a very deep background in, in write, in writing and reading and understanding children's books, and understanding how to write for the different age groups. So writing for babies writing for children, writing for developing readers, writing for reluctant readers, and just writing for the general population. And so when getting this, I got a call from a friend and he's like, oh, I'm this, this you know, this person that I, this child that I love is struggling how to read and I'm just wondering how to help them. And so then I, I gave them some materials in a specific manner. Now, I haven't introduced them to the library. That is the next step on their journeys. I'm going to get them to the library. 
but I started out with books that the child could read and win at reading. So I gave them the Bob books first. Now, I'm, I'm a big fan of phonics and phonetic books. I think that they have a huge place in reading because the child wants to participate. The child wants to participate in this activity. So giving them like the Bob books, or you could hop over to my website in, or Amazon and buy the Rex and Palm books, R-E-X-P-O-M, Rex and Palm. They're generally uh, phonics-based. Like for example, like A, like, like Rex is a dog, right? Instead of like the A makes an ah sound, but we say Rex is a or a dog. So that's what I mean. There's a couple of those words that you could say, oh, it doesn't follow perfect phonics, but that's just because we, we never say, there's not an agreement on specific phonetic words sometimes. So like even like the, is it the or the, and, and that that's a whole nother debate. So I think giving books, giving books to kids that they can understand is very important. So I like the phonetic books. I like the Rex and Palm books. Uh, well, there's one out called um, Rex and Palm Hunt. The next book that's going to be coming out um, this month is going to be Rex and Palm. Rex gets Palm a gift. I think that's what it's called. So, you know, look for these Rex and Palm books. They are phonetic, but they're funny books. They're, they're books that children can understand. They're engaging. And they have this piece about the reading comprehension. Do you understand what's going on? And this, this is the debate with reading teachers. Like, is it better to talk about comprehension or is it best to talk about phonics? you know what, let, let's just throw out that as a family. So we're not, if you're listening to this as a teacher, what if what I want the teachers to understand is just read to your children, read to your classes, read, 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 read to them. And you will do it, you'll change their life because you'll give them something, you'll give them stories, you'll give them tools to use in the future you'll get you'll give them a huge leg up if you just read to your children and you'll t you'll teach them that books are really cool and they'll want to try it and then if you have a child that wants to try and there's issues then you can use special education then we can teach phonics and then we can get this child reading so the best thing that we could do is just to inspire a love of reading and read these really great books to them so and, and and so like is it is it phonics versus reading comprehension? It's just exposure, okay? Just exposure, and then I'd say, then it comes to uh, reading comprehension. As exposure, the child will have questions and will want to understand. And then if they're not learning how to read through that route, then we need to teach phonics as a um as a as a, just as a rule and and teaching phonics. Well, 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 that well, that will be for the next the next podcast. But teaching phonics is important. We need to do it. I'd say you know, give it a good fifty fifty split or a twenty five seventy five. It for for me, it's that important. But that's because I come from a dyslexic background, so that's why phonics. But just expose the child to reading, and they're going to have questions about what happens in the story, and. So anyway, I'm helping this family learn how to read. And then 
but I've given them books, children's literature. And I remember my friend talking to me on the phone and he said, oh, well, we had to look up some words that I didn't even understand. I, I, I didn't even know what some of those words were. And I said, look at what you're doing. You're teaching a child to look up a word. You're teaching a child that it's okay for an adult not to understand a word. And, you, and you've actually expanded the, their vocabulary. There's no way for you to expand a child's vocabulary if you don't expose them to words. And that is the whole point of literature. For example, we're working with one of my children on like ex on mentalization, which is expressing how they're feeling with their emotions. Why do I bring up mentalization? Mentalization is is hugely important. And we talk I talk about this in class of you know, if you're cursing or you you come from a family where, you know, the four-letter words and you're cursing for for everything, you know, this is wrong, this is wrong, curse, 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 curse. The reason why that's bad is because it destroys mentalization. It sounds cool, it's, it, you know, it's funny maybe, but what happens is those few words start to stand in the place of every word, and you hear that, right? Listen to someone who curses on a regular basis, and you start to hear the limited vocabulary that they have. I mean, unless unless they're a comedian. What happens when you're using such few words is that you really can't understand what, what they're after because it's curse this, curse that, curse this, when there's something really going on. Like, are you, are you angry? Are you frustrated? Are you annoyed? Are you intimidated? Are you afraid? The... These different words are important. No, I'm just the curse, 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 curse. You're bothered by something. What bothered you? Or my, one of my children would say, I'm mad. Okay. Are you mad? Or are you hurt? Are you envious? Are you jealous? Do you see what mentalization does? See the power of words to articulate what we really mean. When we could use more words, we have the power to accurately identify our feelings and our emotions to help communicate to other people for us to be understood and for them to understand us. So when we expose new words or expose children to new words, what happens is they then grow their vocabulary and then they can, first of all, take in information at a higher rate because they understand what's happening and then they can express their questions in the way they need. So a student that comes to be in college might not have the words or have the vocabulary to express that question that they have in an articulate or a quick, efficient way. Then they're labeled stupid or dumb, and they, they're like, oh, I messed up, I messed up, I messed up, and then they feel shame, when actually it was just wonderful and courageous for them to attempt and try, and then I, as their instructor, 
guide them through how to ask questions. Well, I'm at a community college, so it's an open enrollment place. So we, we get students that are you know high school or trying to save money. So like they're they're they're, they're strong academically, but the majority of our students are underprepared academically. I love that. I, I mean, this is where my heart is, and this is why I'm in a community college. I love being in a community college, and I love teaching developmental English, and I love teaching early composition because these these are the students that I'm here to serve. This is why I'm here versus at a university where I could teach. Helping give students that vocabulary that I believe many of them have been denied because of their upbringing and for, for many factors. Um, and, and listen to their stories. Legitimate reasons why they do not have the, the vocabulary that they need and the trauma that was related to it. College is a gift for them. But if you're listening to this podcast, now you're hearing a college instructor say, if you don't pay attention to this idea of reading comprehension and words and exposing children to words and for them to understand what they're reading at this early age, it will have a drastic effect later on in their life and they will be behind. So in college, like we use, well, we use large words. We talk, I mean, we use this academic speak and that can lose students, but it's not just college, right? It's the work world. It's adults who speak at kind of another level. So there's, there's kind of like the, the language that you speak at home and then there's like professional language and there's the professional and well and, and the ability to decode the professional speak it no matter where you are all the acronyms or the, all the alphabet soup go to the medical field the education field we all have our acronyms and we all have our, our financial world we all have our ways of speaking but when a person goes into that are they able to quickly understand what's going on and then adapt and then succeed that's what reading gives them the ability to do. So when you read a lot as a family, especially when you read a lot at dinner, you're exposed to different words, you talk about those words, you attempt words, you maybe mess them up, you maybe look them up or ask Siri, hey, what's going on? And you then you expand your vocabulary as the parent, as the reader, but then you also expand the vocabulary of the child. This aids for, again, greater communication. We are reading as a family for greater communication, for greater love. Now, I did say I would talk about this. The one thing I do not want, I feel like Bernie Sanders, like the one thing that shouldn't happen <laughs> for this read aloud dinner podcast is yes, if you read aloud at dinner, pretty much your child's going to get a leg up on everyone. I've seen that in my family. I've seen the ability of reading comprehension, how my daughter's reading at an eighth grade level and she's in third grade. I see um, my sons are now starting to read uh, above their classmates. I see all of these things. I see the leg up. I see how they're taking learning independently. 
I see how they're becoming more empathetic as children. I see all of these things. So yes, it's going to help your child be academically ready and maybe even um, really set them up for a very um, successful future for and success in work, success in relationships, success in you know their own personal life development. With that said, with that said, that is not the goal of the Read Aloud Dinner Podcast. The Read Aloud Dinner Podcast, the goal is to help your child grow in love, period. To help you as a family grow in love, period. The worst thing that can happen is to help your child become amazingly intelligent, which reading will do, to help your child become amazingly intelligent and then not give them the heart, not give them love. So then it's a it's an amoral genius. And that is not what this world needs. And you could disagree with me and that's fine. Then don't listen. Don't listen to this podcast. We just don't need amoral geniuses here. We want empathetic, loving people and so they so happen they will be intelligent because they will be exposed to many things and my hope is that they'll be humble and intuitive and empathetic this is what we need in the world versus people that can just make a lot of money you want someone we we want to develop children that care for other people and that can care in a thoughtful wise and measured way and in a way that if they don't understand something that they know how to look and find a book read it and then implement it i think of bill gates and how how a lot of his work for his foundation i think is developed by his reading he reads prolifically he's always reading that's what i want for your child i want someone who in order to understand a problem about their life reads and will grow from that and reading has answered so many questions for me and and that and that's what comprehension is comprehension is understanding i i read something and i understand be it information that i'm taking in something that i didn't understand before like maybe it's a concept or maybe something i have to read over and over again like a kind of a theological text or maybe in a philosophical text, but also understanding emotion, understanding the lives of other people. When you read Les Miserables and you understand Fantine and Fantine being the mother of, um, oh, darn it. This is terrible. This is terrible to forget. It's my favorite book too, Cosette. And Fantine the mother of Cosette and her journey into prostitution and and her struggles and how she sells her teeth and then well, she sells her hair and then she sells her teeth, you know, selling her body in order to help her child survive in a Christian or a Catholic Christian France and how in such a religious country that supposedly had the love of Jesus in that country, how that love wasn't there. And so 
Victor Hugo writes this book basically criticizing the Catholic Church like he did in The Hunchback of Notre Dame, but also, also though, holding up a light and saying, if we focus only on justice, we forget that mercy is the highest form of justice. How do you understand that? How do you understand when you look at someone in today's society that you disagree with and you think, well, their bad choices have led them to their end and they deserve that. If you read literature, you can under you can look at them and say, hmm, is this Fontaine? Is this um um oh man, I'm gonna struggle. You know, is is this a well? I mean, I think of the story of Huckleberry Finn, and you know, people call that a racist, a racist book. I think if you actually read it, <laughs> and under, and if you actually read Huckleberry Finn, and understood that, um, like, like what is true racism? I think what a great book to talk about. What is true racism? It, there's ignorance in that book, but then what is true racism? That's reading comprehension, and it's wonderful. And I'm out of time. I'm out of time. I could talk about this forever. Okay, so I have to close. But reading comprehension is more than just understanding and becoming smart and a genius, be able to ace the ACT and get amazing grades. Reading comprehension is about becoming the becoming love. And I know that's a very Christian, Catholic, Christian philosophy. That's my persuasion. I'm sorry, but I really believe that, that that that's what you want to. You want to grow in love as a family. You want to be connected to each other, to enjoy spending time together, to be at ease and not rushing from one thing to the next and hey, let's let's go take this person to basketball and and like be kind of in this entertainment rut, this loop. And yes, it matters and all that, but you know what? You know what we all really want? We want someone that loves us for who we are, someone who will value us for who we are, someone who will give to us. And reading aloud as a family, reading aloud at the dinner table means that I am going to stop my projects. I'm going to stop what I want to do, and I am going to focus on us, our family, you, my child. We are going to read. We are going to be together. And it's going to take some work. But there will be a child who loves you, who wants to spend time with you. And that will see, that will see hey, some of the greatest moments of my life were sitting at dinner versus, hey, taking me to practice at some game and then not seeing my parents. Okay, yeah, do, my, my, my mother says they have issues with this. She's like, you know, sports aren't bad. No, sports are not all bad. But I think that if we put activity, if we put too much activity be in front of our family and looking into each other's eyes and saying, I love you, I care about you, and, and, and working on our relationships – that if sports gets in the way of that, sports can complement that for sure. 
And there's many stories of that, and that's something to talk about. But if sports gets in the way, then again, what you have is is a is is someone that has built their a castle a house on sand and though that house might stand for a while if a storm comes an injury to that sport or maybe the child loses interest you spent a lot of time on something that really didn't bring you closer and love together or necessarily help the child grow in love yes teamwork working with not one another working with, as a team overcoming adversity all those things are great i was also an athlete but are you also but it's like i think we put more time on that than we do on this but empathy and uh, remind me remind me to talk about the college coach is it uh an english teacher and would quote English to his to his basketball team. One of the most was it John Wooden. One of the most successful coaches uh, was was an English was an English teacher and would would, would quote English to his team, basketball uh, college basketball coaches. Anyway, we'll we'll bring him up soon in one of these things just to talk about how how literature is essential for every for every part of our life. So read aloud at dinner. I'm sorry for going late. Just really passionate about this. And I want that for you as well. Thank you for listening. And you have a wonderful day.